News, views, opinions, and attitudes. Attitudes. It's actually uh, intriguing talk. You know, they talk about the news. And you have to respect them for that. You're listening to Right On Radio. Hey, welcome to Right On Radio. That's right. News, views, opinions, and attitudes. I guarantee we will fulfill each one of those criterias for you today. My guest is going to be Chris Skye. Uh, he is running for mayor of Toronto. And before you think, okay, Toronto, it doesn't affect me. I'm He's not in the United States. He's not in Australia. He's not in the UK. This is something really important for you to pay attention to. You're going to learn how to fight and why this is important, even to where you live. The ripple effect can be beyond measure. And I'm not making an understatement about that. Uh, my guest, Chris Guy, uh, Chris Sococcia. Actually, I, I hope I pronounced that right. If I put a little Italian flair on it, I think it sounds more convincing. Chris Sococcia. <laughs> He's going to correct me, I'm sure. But listen, this is it. And Chris, over the last three years, has amassed a huge following. The deep state comes after him in every way. He's been arrested or, you know, had over 60 charges put on him in the last three years. They're trying to suppress his voice. He beats it every single time. And most importantly, he's been the loudest voice in Canada. And we saw how the Canadian trucker convoy affected the world this is even possibly a much greater opportunity because this one comes with true power and chris uh to my knowledge has been right about everything he has been ahead of the deep state he has predicted their next moves accurately and now they're trying very hard to suppress Chris. And I think just, in fact, I'm going to give him some branding. And I'm going to keep him in the waiting room while I do this so he does not interrupt me in it. He is the Canadian Trump in many ways, okay? He has been right. And every time they hit him, they make him stronger. So welcome back to the broadcast, Chris. How are you, brother? Is it okay to call you the Canadian Trump? Well, I, I like the comparison, except I don't have his money. If I had his money, I think I'd already be the Prime Minister of Canada and we wouldn't be in this mess. <laughs> That's true. And, and just, just speaking of money, uh, it just and I, I want to get to a different topic, but you said something right before coming on here that was absolutely shocking. How the, you are being accused right now by the politicians and the powers that be that by you asking for campaign donations, you're a grifter. Yeah, I'm a grifter. And for me, even telling people to vote for me, I'm persuading and I'm coercing. So I'm allowed <laughs> to run for mayor, of course, but I'm not allowed to ask for donations and I'm not allowed to, uh, to ask you to vote for me. Otherwise, I'm, otherwise I'm a horrible person. And worse. Well, uh, technically, you're running for politics, so there is some question if you're a horrible person or not. <laughs> it takes a person to do this. 
Well, no, yeah, that, it's definitely not my first choice or even my thousandth choice of uh, career potential career opportunities. And to me, it's not a career. It's just a sacrifice that I have to make in order to save the city, save the people and set the example for everybody else to follow. Uh, you mentioned the trucker convoy, and I believe the trucker convoy was a perfect culmination of what I was trying to do for the last three years. Uh, well, first, I started the Just Say No movement to get individuals on board with the idea that they have to reject the mandates, reject the closers, reject everything that they government was doing that they knew wasn't in their best interest but on a, and that works on a personal level but in order to create change on a national and international level we needed the whole country and beyond to unite under that just say no banner and that's when i created the united non-compliance movement a way to give the power back to the people and the trucker convoy did just that we had people from all walks of life all different ethnicities all different religions Virtually every every traditional way they've tried to divide us, unite under the banner of freedom and removing the mandates. And what happened? We have more freedoms now than the United States does. You guys still have travel mandates. I can't even go to the United States right now. And my wife is a U.S. citizen. My wife of 10 years is from Texas, a U.S. citizen, and she can go because she's a U.S. citizen. But me, as her husband, will get banned from coming there because I am not uh, vaccinated with the with the bioweapon. And... Uh, that's because we stood up, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I love Americans. You guys are gun-toting, freedom-loving, uh, red-blooded, passionate. Love it. But guess what? We fought harder than you guys. And I'll say that. We did. You didn't have a trucker convoy. And you guys had something that we didn't have. The Constitution. Our Charter of Rights compared to your Constitution is a joke. It's a joke. Ours, you might as well wipe our asses with it. Yours? You should be you should be hugging that thing every night, praying over that document every night because it gave you the tools to stand up for yourself against the tyranny that we've all been facing. And we stood up harder than you guys. I have to say it. If you go to places like California and New York, it's like a hellhole. It's worse than most parts of Canada. Thankfully, there's places like Florida and Texas. But as, with the, as a whole, 300 million plus Americans with all your guns and all your power and all your money. You did not stand up. And now we're facing the next crisis, this 15-minute city, the carbon allowance, the, the digital ID, and you guys are calling it the, the new Fed thing, the, the Fed notes. That's, did, that's the way they're going to be slipping in the digital currency. Just like over here at TD Bank, in order to get you to not jump onto the digital ID, they made it that you have to actively opt out. And they made it that if you actively opt out, you will no longer be able to make online purchases with your TD bank card. They are doing everything they can to coerce us into the next phase of the agenda already. So you cannot deny it's happening. You cannot deny the 15-minute cities are now coming to the states because they already announced them in Ohio. And you know they're going to start announcing them in more, especially the blue states. So... We already know in Canada what a 15-minute city looks like because I was in the, the root of the 15-minute cities, France and England, in September when these things were already well-established and being, uh, being opposed by the populace. So I have an advantage over all the other mayoral candidates. I'm very worldly. I've been to over 40 countries. I've been to over 100 cities. And I wasn't doing it on the taxpayer dime, by the way. I was doing it on my own. And I was doing this to get educated in multiple ways. This is why I have unique uh, solutions to all the problems that Canadians, and especially Torontonians, are facing uh, that other candidates would never even dream up or their teams would never even dream up because we have an entirely different perspective. And we're coming in with the perspective of actually trying to help 
people and actually serving the public that we say that we're serving, unlike these politicians that are always serving themselves. And we can prove that quite easily. Like you said, over the last three years, what have I been doing? I've been speaking out. I've been telling you what they're going to do to you before they do it. And I've been teaching you how to counter attack whatever they've been trying to do to you. And I have perfect examples. The day that they made masks mandatory on public transit and other places in Canada, I led a massive protest on our public transit system and I demonstrated mask exemptions. I even went so far as to make face mask exemption cards in the tens of thousands and distribute them to not only Canadians, even Americans and people around the world to teach people how to stand up for their rights. When the, go when the government said we're not having a Santa Claus parade, which is the biggest iconic event in Canada, especially in Toronto, I took it upon myself to throw one anyway. And I still got it done. And we still had floats. And we still had hundreds of police officers uh, closing off all the downtown streets. Yeah, I got charged after, but I'm going to beat that just like I beat all the other charges. So <laughs> I was actually fighting for the people. I was actually putting myself on the line. I was showing people how to fight back. I was teaching people that they didn't have to just put up with this. And that's why the government doesn't like me. That's why the deep state doesn't like me. That's why the globalists don't like me. Because I tell you the truth, I expose the corruption, and I come up with solutions, not only to better your life, but to hold these people accountable. United Noncompliance was broken down into three phases, ladies and gentlemen. The first one was the global awakening. I spoke all around the world along with many other people. I wrote a best-selling book. I did everything I could, including shows like this, to make people understand the reality that the COVID pandemic and everything the government was doing as a response had nothing to do with health and safety and everything to do with power and control. And once people realize that, they are now what we call awake, not woke, Woke thinks there's 76 genders, okay? Awake means that you understand that the government is not your friend. The government was not doing this for your own best interest. The government was doing this for control. That's phase one. Phase two was taking action, which we did. And it culminated in the trucker convoy and us getting the vast majority in Canada, at least, of our freedoms back, all bite momentarily. Because the third phase is holding these people accountable. And if they're not held accountable, if they're not made examples of, if they do not pay consequences for their actions and the illegal things, well, guess what? They're going to do it again, only worse. And it's going to be worse for everybody involved. So we need to follow through on that. And for me, the best way to do that was when I saw the opportunity to run for mayor. When John Tory was running again for the third time, I didn't think to run for mayor of Toronto. It never even crossed my mind because I knew the incumbent mayor would win. It was already a foregone conclusion. But now that he got kicked out, and for those of you who don't know, it's because apparently he had a sex with a staffer. Uh, that's probably the soft landing. He probably did something way worse than that that they don't want to talk about. So they just tell you that he had sex with this gorgeous 31-year-old so people can give him a high five on the way out. But I'm sure there's something more sinister to it than that because that's just standard operating procedure for people like this in politics. But now that he was gone... They don't have an incumbent. They don't have anybody that can represent the city of Toronto. Not that he was representing us well, but people knew him. Name recognition is the biggest thing in the mayoral race. There's no political parties. And that's why I decided 
I can take this opportunity to insert myself into a position that will give me not only a much larger and more significant and more legitimate platform to provide my message and wake people up and teach them about their rights and teach them how to fight back against a corrupt government, but it will provide me all the tools necessary to carry out phase three of United Noncompliance, holding these people accountable. We can go after the waste. We can go after the corruption. We can make a tangible difference almost immediately in virtually every community and every citizen's personal life, tangible in a positive way. We can limit the size and scope of government. We can increase the emergency services uh, in the way that they operate while decreasing the negative aspect of how they interact with the public. There is so much room of improvement in Toronto, and I don't want to sound, uh, what's the word, pompous or arrogant when I say this, but in my opinion, Toronto is one of the most important cities in the entire world with regard to the globalist agenda, the World Economic Forum agenda, the WHO agenda. And we all know what those agendas are. It started with the COVID and now it's going on with the 15-minute city, personal carbon allowance, digital ID, digital currency. There is no other candidate that will even talk about this, let alone stop this. They will give you lip service. They will tell you it's for your own good. They will try to shame you. They will tow the party line. I don't have a party. I don't have political favors. I am in this because I spent the last 20 years in development, planning, and development uh, and building and design. And I can see the writing on the wall. I can see where this goes. Just like I can predict everything they were going to do before they did it and tell you guys how to stop it or get away with it. I can tell you the implications this is going to have in your life. And it's going to make your life not enjoyable. They want to get rid of your car. They want to get rid of your ability to fly whenever you want. They want to get rid of your ability to travel across the country whenever they, you want. They want to have complete control over what you spend your money on. They want to also have control over how much money you will be able to make and how much success and status you will be able to attain in life. And of course, how much you'll be able to pass down to your children and of course, the opportunities your children will have. Now, if any of this means anything to you, well, then you need to get involved in this election one way or the other, because when I win in Toronto, not only can I make life better for the people in Toronto, we can set the example for yes. all the other cities, not just in Canada, but in the United States to follow. We can take over this corrupt, bloated, inefficient, criminal, sinister government at the municipal levels. And when we do that, we can drain the swamp, we can clear the corruption, and we can set the groundwork for the type of change we need. For the last three decades or more, virtually every city in North America has been moving in the wrong direction. Government getting bigger, government getting more powerful, government getting more wasteful, while the citizens who have less financial capabilities, less uh, less opportunities in general, a lower standard of living, and a higher cost of living every single year with a few blips in the, in the thing. We are going to flip that on its head, and we are going to usher in a new era where the next three decades, the government is going to shrink in size and scope 
and increase in efficiency and the people's livelihood standard of living is going to increase while their cost of living is going to decrease. There's going to be more opportunity for the youth and the next generation rather than less. You talk to nine out of 10 kids today, they don't even believe they're going to have a license to own a car, let alone own a home. These things were the American dream. They are now foregone conclusions, relics of, of countries past. If we do not, if we do not uphold what we're doing here, but when I win in Toronto and I will, because we have abnormal amounts of support. I don't even know how else to describe it. Even I am shocked at the amount of people that not only know who we are, but support us so passionately and so vehemently because they understand what this represents. This is not just a mayoral battle in Toronto. This is going to set the example to change Canada change the United States and change the entire world. There is no way on God's green earth that these other cities and these other municipalities in North America are going to continue down their path of mutually assured destruction. Well, there is an example of a thriving city in the heart of Canada. Toronto doesn't just affect Toronto. It doesn't just affect the GTA, which is 10 million of the 37 million people in Toronto anyway, or Canada anyway. It affects the entire country. And that will affect the United States. We want to set an example for you guys to follow. I know you guys love being the leaders, but in this case, the true North are leading the way. And if you follow my example and you support my run for mayor and you spread the word of how a normal person with the intentions and genuine intentions and the abilities to make things happen and you promote me and get me elected, I swear on my life that you will see, feel, and experience the change that I promise virtually immediately. And it will pick up, in, it'll pick up momentum from there. And everybody is going to have to take notice and everybody is going to want to emulate exactly what we're doing here. And it's going to be easy for them because they're just going to have to follow exactly what we do. And I think people need to understand. And, and when you said the Canadians led the way and I being someone who lives just outside of Toronto before the trucker convoy, I must admit, I thought it was over in Canada. I thought Canada was too far gone. Because as Chris mentioned, we don't have, our Bill of Rights isn't nearly, we don't have really a freedom of speech. We really don't have the right to bear arms in Canada. All these different things are already in place. And Canada is so vast and people are so highly taxed. It is very hard for people to get together to do these things. But the government fears united non-compliance they fear people getting together and saying hey this you're no good we're not doing this anymore and i've got to say i cannot think of anyone else in canada that could do it other than chris sky and i'm not sucking up to him i'm being a an observer of the times and this is so critical right now because Chris was mentioning the CBDC, Central Bank Digital Currencies, and it's called FedNow, which is launching in June or July in the United States. When, when they flick that switch, 
it will be overnight and your freedoms are gone. Now, I do I think they'll be able to flick the switch entirely in June or July? No, but it's really close. And as a mayor, you could, Chris, uh, theoretically say that uh, all stores need to still be able to accept cash. It's legal yeah. tender. Yes, sir. We can even make them accept silver and gold like they should have been doing already. There's lots of things that we can do as a mayor, uh, as an administration to block this agenda and protect the people. And there's lots of things we can do that actually satisfy things that the agenda pretends like they're trying to satisfy without having the sinister consequences attached to it. Like for instance, the 15 minute city is all about convenience and less traffic. Well, I can solve all those problems just by dealing with the TTC in the way that I want to deal with it, just by dealing with the subway that I want to deal with it. So we can solve their traffic problems. We can solve their green energy problems. We can solve all their little environmental issues without having to put the people in a so-called 15-minute city, a.k.a. a smart city, a.k.a. an open-air prison. So we're going to provide alternatives that still solve all the solutions they say they want to solve, but without the negative impacts to the citizens' livelihoods or society in general. And it's going to be very interesting for them to come up with clever excuses as to why they don't support my common sense solutions that will solve the problems and retain people's way of life. And they're going to have, it's going to be really hard for them to try to explain that to people. So they're going to do what they've been doing. And that's trying to silence me. As everybody knows, even as, as early as just about a week and a half ago, just trying to come to Toronto, my wife and I were arrested at the Edmonton airport and then subsequently banned from the airport to prevent us from flying out here. We had to drive hours to Calgary, jump on a different plane and get out here. And then when I got out here uh, and it was known that I got my license back, of course, the, it didn't take long for the police to be following me around and actually swarm me while I was pulled over downtown and well pulled over, not even driving. I got a slew of tickets, including careless driving for being pulled over. It was fantastic. And they're doing everything they can to try to slow me down, everything they can to try to throw us off course, everything they can to try to discredit us uh, or ignore us in the media. People wouldn't even know I was running as a candidate if it wasn't for the fact that there was hundreds of supporters outside of City Hall with Chris Sky shirts and Chris Sky Sands and huge Chris Sky for Mayor banners. So if they didn't put me in the news that day, it would have looked extremely suspicious and they would have lost all their credibility. So when what we're doing is the mainstream media is used to setting the narrative, controlling the narrative, and then controlling basically society through that. When it comes to me, they're always on the defensive. They're always doing something to counter the genuine things I do. If I just show up somewhere, they don't want to tell people about it, but now they have no choice. And then they have to go and try to put their spin on it to make me look bad. So now I'm the one setting the narrative and they're the ones playing defense and their audience is getting less and less every day as they do more and more things to try and discredit me. And people wonder why. And then when people hear about my platforms and hear the common sense solutions I have and hear that the things I'm do I want to do are going to directly affect their lives in a positive way, it makes it really hard to convince the people not to talk to me, especially now that I've gotten off all my charges. So they have no leverage to call me any type of criminal in the media or any of the other stuff. So every single day that goes by, we're gaining more credibility. We're gaining more support. 
and, and they're getting more and more scared. And I see it, I can feel it, and I love it. And we haven't even started campaigning yet. By the end of the week, uh, our website that you see there, chrisskyforchange.com, is up right now. Uh, and you can actually buy tickets. Our first fundraiser event is happening April 16th. So you got to buy the tickets within the next couple of days. So I still got to give them advance notice of how many people are going to show up because it's a four-course meal, custom-made for each person. It's not some stupid buffet. Uh, it's, it's a really nice meal. All you can drink. The tickets are eligible for a 70% rebate. So they seem expensive at $500 a plate for the dinner, but you get a $325 rebate uh, if you if you apply for it, and that comes back from the government. So it ends up costing $175 out of pocket, but our campaign receives the full $500. You get to come party with us and have a four-course meal and all you can drink. And you get to be part of history because when I become the mayor, uh, my administration is going to be the turning point in this fight that we've been having for the last three years. And it's going to be the turning point that makes freedom reign supreme. If I were you guys in the United States, I'm telling you, when I just think about what I went through and how they wouldn't even have been able to do half the things they've done to me, if I had the protection of your constitution, I literally cry at night and think to myself, how the hell are Americans letting this happen? You guys are supposed to be the bastion of freedom for this entire world. I grew up literally idolizing America because you always stood for what's right. And that's what I've done my entire life. That's what I do every day. That's what I continue to do no matter what they try to do to me. They try to do everything to make it nearly impossible to do the right thing. Well, guess what? I'm still going to do it. And the reason I felt that way is because I grew up loving you guys and loving America. Hell, my wife's in Texas, for God's sake. Like, yeah. <laughs> I think I put my money where my mouth is there. But it seems well, there's like... A, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of Americans ready to jump up and do something, but uh, they, I think there's a time and a place. Uh, there's And they've been under psychological warfare, as you know, uh, oh, between the January 6th thing, all the political prisoners, and uh, the, the total setups with all the false flags. But there's a time coming, and uh, and I there. truly believe there is a time coming. But this, the, one of the best ways to get your neighbors is to see real results. And this is, like, within three months. Chris, what, when is the actual election day? The actual election is June. It starts June 8th, the voting, and then the actual election is June 26th. So because this is a by-election, it's only two months. This is why... This is why I have such a good chance of winning. In a normal election, first of all, there's over 10 months. So in 10 months with the media behind them, they can virtually prop up anybody to make them look like a viable and credible candidate. With two months, without having an incumbent like John Tory that has the name recognition, they have no chance to prop up all these people. So what they're trying to do is they're going to run like as many people as possible to try to see if any of them can gain traction against me. Because I already know from people that work at the government polling stations, they're not releasing these polls, but I'm, I'm leading these polls and they don't want the public to know this. So they're going to try to see who can gain traction against me, if anybody. And in the meantime, they'll try to run these other 30 candidates to split the vote as much as possible. And then of course, all these people are going to throw their support behind the one person that they're going to back. This candidate is going to have unlimited money spending around a million dollars a month between now and uh, the end of June. And we're still going to destroy them, even if we get a tiny fraction of the funding they have, because we have almost 500 volunteers. We have the largest support base online and on the ground. We have the most 
efficient campaign. I'm literally in the house with my entire campaign team right now. This is where we live together. We eat, sleep, breathe together. I cook for them every day. That's right, guys. I cook too, by the way. I love it. I'm Italian. So I make food. I make them happy. I keep them good. And we work harder than anybody. We work smarter than anybody. We work more efficiently than them. And not only is that going to be how our campaign run, that's going to give you a preview for how much better our administration is going to be. So our campaign is our literally our best advertisement for ourselves because our campaign is going to be so effective and so different that it's 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 basically it's basically a preview of our administration and people are going to love it and people are going to people call me every day by the way i'm the only candidate that serves the people in a way that you can actually reach me you can put my number up on the screen it's 416-400-9994 triple nine four you can remember it you can write it down you can call me virtually 22 hours a day i still sleep a little bit sorry guys and i will answer whether it's a text or a phone call i will address your concern and i will provide you a solution to your problem because that's what a public servant is supposed to do and i challenge any of the other candidates to do this they will not and in fact i get hundreds hundreds of people either texting or calling me every single day. And you know what one of the most common reactions is when I answer the phone? Sheer disbelief to the point where, yes, to the point where people actually start crying on the phone because they'll tell me that they've tried to contact their so-called elected representatives dozens, if not hundreds of times through emails, phone calls, assistance, etc., and they will not get a response. And then they'll tell me something like, and you answered in two rings. Chris, that- I you wouldn't share that story. <laughs> hey, you know what? What thing that's really important for the audience to also know is who is on your campaign team because most people know, and I, I remember this from even, you know, go, I used to have a, a condo down in Vegas. I was down there, you know, twice a year for, business and I'd go down there when we had Rob Ford as the mayor and he became worldwide famous from Toronto. Tell me about your team. Okay. Well, everybody remembers that campaign. Uh, Rob Ford was one of the most well-liked mayors in my generation, at least. And he did a lot for the city of Toronto. He was one of those blips while the city was just declining. And then he got in and it stopped for a little bit and then they got rid of him and it kept declining. But most importantly, he won a record breaking campaign where they got the uh, over 60% of the electorate to come out and vote for him. He ran a same style campaign, a guerrilla warfare style campaign and his virtually the the main people behind his team behind his success came to me and joined my team and i already had my own team of experts and best of the best in their field and now we teamed up with the same gentleman that helped rob ford win a record-breaking election and why did they come to me because they believed in me because they believed in what we can accomplish that's it. Unlike all these other mayoral candidates that just have money and start throwing it around at all these mercenaries and trying to assemble a team, every single person on my team 
came to me and wanted to volunteer their special services. And they have come from all over Canada to be a part of history and a part of this campaign because they don't just believe in me. They believe in what we're trying to do and they know we can do it. It's that simple. So when you combine my campaign team with Rob Ford's campaign team and the campaign manager I got, Mr. Fozzie, who already has seven successful election campaigns under his belt over the last 20 years, plus the best platform, plus the best candidate, plus the best speaking, plus the best campaign, not only are we going to win this election, we are going to win this election very, very convincingly. And once we get in, we are going to set the example for all others to follow. And there's not going to be anything they can do to stop us because people are worried about, oh, are they going to block your agenda? If any of the councillors vote against any measures that are in the best interest of the people, we will host national press conference. We will make these people's names public. And I will be the one to start the recall against them with the constituents. And we'll see how fast it takes to get the signatures we need when it's on national TV and the mayor of Toronto is the one starting the procedure against these people. In my administration, there's going to be either you're going to you're going to follow the law and you're going to do what's morally right or you're going to resign or you're going to be investigated and prosecuted. Those are the three options you have in my administration. And that's what goes for the people that are going to be dealing with me too. People are say, oh, are you going to deal with all the corruption? Very simple. I'm very public. So I'll make you very public. And if your corruption becomes very public, surprise, your career is over and you might get prosecuted. So guess what? Are you going to be corrupt or are you going to deal with me straight and take me seriously? So the mayor is actually in charge of the police force. This is also true. So there is a real possibility of prosecutions uh, also now that and i'm asking this question i don't have the answer to it but is there a way to speed up trials well there's a way to speed up virtually everything with the government one of the biggest things the biggest problems with the government is wasting time whether it's with uh the whether it's with development and permits and applications or whether it's with the legal system it's ridiculous. And then wasted time equates to wasted money and it equates to wasted efficiency and not being able to do as many things. So there's plenty of ways we can streamline the legal system. There's plenty of ways we can improve the legal system and there's plenty of ways we can improve emergency services. I don't want to cut their budget. I don't want to tie their hands behind their back. In fact, I want to increase emergency services. I want to increase uh, the amount of officers on the streets. However, I do want to crack down on the type of behavior that we've been seeing uh, that was actually made much more prevalent over the last three years when a lot of officers were given way too much power, way too much leeway, and the wrong directives from the people in charge. When we remedy those situations and we isolate the bad apples and remove them and we replace them with good officers and we hire even more officers and more emergency service workers and more firefighters, we are going to have a much more efficient and a much better in the sense of how they relate with the public emergency services and that is probably the most important aspect of emergency service not just how fast they respond to emergencies and how well they handle the emergencies but how well they are perceived by the communities how much of an actual uh, uh benefit to the community they be, they are seen and how they are perceived in the eyes of the community my emergency services are going to be perceived as heroes by the yeah. community 
and the, and the community is going to love them and respect them. And they're going to perform for the community and want to protect that community even more as a result of that. And, you know, even well in the first year of the, uh, of the COVID lockdowns and stuff like that, some of the Toronto police in particular were really, really awful. Uh, I, I remember seeing uh, a lady down at Queens Park, an old lady, I think she was from Poland, who had experienced communism and she had just a cardboard side that she side that she made saying you know stop communism and the police tackled her they tackled her like an indefensible and, and but after that and you know i was down at the queen's park protest quite a bit um talking to some police officers they said man we we messed up and they knew they had a perception problem and many of them uh, they were broken inside of it, and they said, "We're not going to do this anymore." You know, so there's a there's a good mend, but there are some bad apples. But I'm going to say most of them are pretty good right now. So um, I think you will be actually welcomed. Now you actually have some endorsements from police. Oh, I get a lot of endorsements from police, individuals from uh, different uh, different departments. We all know that when I did the Back the Blue event in the London Police Department, which was about getting rid of the mandates, people criticized me for that. But we got over 20,000 people there that day. It looked like a damn Rolling Stones concert. And I'd yeah. like to remind everybody, we're in Ontario and in Canada was the first police department to relinquish the mandates and allow unvaccinated uh, employees back to work. It was London, Ontario. And if you think that my little event had nothing to do with that, well, you're not only ignorant, you're dishonest. And now you're basically irrelevant because <laughs> the reality is it's not a, it's not a coincidence. It's not an accident. It shows that what we do matters. What we do can change things and change things for the better and change things drastically. And I saw and with regards to how the police did tackle that lady, that's a perfect example of the kind of waste and corruption that we can get rid of because that that's waste and corruption right there. How many hundreds of millions of our tax dollars were wasted on these protests? Protests where the people were doing nothing, nothing illegal. You're supposed to be allowed to, bro. They weren't blocking traffic. They weren't breaking windows. They weren't even shouting obscenities. They were carrying signs that some might have found offensive, and they should be offensive because what was going on was offensive, and the truth is often offensive. But they were all just doing what they had the right legally, morally to do. So why do they need this kind of a police presence? Why do they need busloads of recruits that are getting paid overtime and horses to trample people and bringing in people? No, they didn't need any of that. They did it because they were trying to show force and they were trying to show people that you don't really have rights. And if you try to exercise those rights, we're going to treat you as criminals and we're going to use the money that you pay us with taxes that you're supposed to be using to make your life better. And we're going to use that money you gave us to oppress you and try to scare you, try to intimidate you into submission. And that's not my police department. My police department will be spending those hundreds of millions of dollars on hiring new officers, on making our community safer, and on all different types of community projects that will integrate our police and, and emergency services into the community they serve and when you do that, it will be an entirely different feeling and it'll be a much better, safer, more positive, happier city, period. And, that, and what do people want out of their life? They want to be happy. They want to feel like they're safe. 
and they want to be left alone. They don't want to feel like the government is trying to take over every aspect of their life or trying to police every aspect of their life. They want to believe that the police are there to protect them. And they want to believe that the government's there to run things so they can just not have to worry and live their life, go to work, make their money, look after their family, provide. If, is it really that difficult to allow to govern in a way that allows people to make their own decisions, be independent and be successful? No, that's the way it should be. But government has been designing itself to try to become in control of every aspect of your life. And they're trying to and they're trying to intimidate people to believe that if you're against that, there's something wrong with you. And it's ludicrous. And again, they are scared of us coming together. There is no other candidate with the name recognition of Chris. There is no other candidate that can draw a crowd like Chris. So we need to get behind him. And I'm going to come no up with... Can. There's no other candidate with over 20 years of working with the government, but from the private sector in development and planning, which is the most critical sector where they're going to try to use to control your lives in the next near future. There is no other candidate that got arrested 26 times in the last three years fighting for you, while the other candidates were voting for lockdowns, voting to close your business, voting to put a mask on your kids, voting to put a jab in your arm, and voting to keep you locked in the country, while also voting to give themselves pay raises and voting to exempt themselves from the same rules they put on you. And now they want the keys to Toronto so they can have even more control over your lives. Yeah. Ask them about what they did the last three years versus what I've done the last three years. Exactly right. So for those of you in America and other parts of the world, I'm going to come up with a creative way that uh, you can actually help fund his campaign. Uh, it'll be a creative way. <laughs> Uh, listen, maybe you can just help me maximize my donations, you know, something like that. Uh, also, if you are in the Toronto area, and I know there's several of you that are, and you want to attend Chris Guy's event, what, what day is the event? It's coming up real soon. Sunday, April 16th. It's happening at Monte Casino Banquet Hall on Chestwood oh, in North York. Sunday. Yes, oh, sir. Bye. Yes, sir. We had to get it going quick so we could get the campaign going. And this is basically going to be the kickstart of our campaign. And uh, as soon as that happens, you're going to see our, our website completely updated. It's going to have all our campaign official colors and our campaign materials. Because right now it's just basically lot to launch this party that's happening but everything everything a lot is happening this week and the party on sunday is going to be basically like a kickstart of the official campaign so if you're listening here in toronto send me an email if you want to go to this uh, perhaps attend it with me right on jeff at gmail.com do it today chris always a pleasure we're going to be following your campaign uh throughout the time i think it is historic uh, I was there at City Hall when you signed the papers, and yeah, you had a huge crowd. And by the way, this is something I haven't told you. Uh, before I left there, I, I rode my motorcycle down there, and by the time I walked back to my motorcycle, I had other candidates walking around the ground saying, hey, can you sign my piece of paper so I can get the 25 signatures to run? <laughs> I said, No. <laughs> There's like this new year up against. They they might have money, but they couldn't even get the 25 signatures. 
That's the whole point. They're all paper tigers. Every one of them's a fake candidate. All the pretend conservatives, you have guys with pronouns in their profiles. Give me a break. You have people that are going to be pushing the 15-minute city agenda. You have people that are going to be pushing Soji in the schools. Like every single thing we need to stop in this in in this town is going to be pushed by these people. Well, they're going to give you the same lip service that every other politician gives you. Do not listen to them. Do not buy it. And simply ask them what they've done for you in the last three years. Now, Chris, you just said something that, you know, a lot of people might not know. uh, And this is something no other person running is going to talk about. Tell me what Soji is and give me your firm position. Soji is sexual orientation and gender identity, a.k.a. the new curriculum that they want to slip into your children's school under the guise of language arts and physical education teaching your children about the so-called 76 genders how they can choose their pronouns choose their gender asking children as young as six if they're non-binary and doing things like bringing actual drag queens with stripper poles into your child's school to have drag queen performances no they don't just want to read your children's stories now they want to actually perform in front of your children and if that isn't scary enough and you think this is a joke tomorrow wednesday at york mills collegiate in toronto they are hosting such an event that was sponsored and paid for by our tax dollars in Toronto and is being promoted and attended by the current sitting deputy mayor Uh, What's her name? Jennifer McKelvey. So our current deputy mayor of Toronto is using tax dollars to bring a professional drag queen performer to your child's school so they can perform for your children in a sexual adult explicit manner. And I was reached out to by Josh Alexander. That's the boy who got arrested for saying there was two genders at his school. And I was reached out to by a boy who actually goes to the school in question and his mother. And they were all so concerned about that, that they created a protest at the school tomorrow, which I've actually promoted on my social media because I am not only the only mayoral candidate that will talk about this. I'm the only one that will actually prevent this and actually stop using your tax dollars to put trans uh, trans drag queen performers in front of your children performing. This is not about opposing trans movement. If you guys want to have trans parties, go right ahead. 18 plus, have them anywhere you want and pay for them yourself. Nobody deserves to get government funding for something like this. I don't care if you're trans. I don't care if you're straight. I don't care who you are. Why do you need government funding for a performance to be done to children? Any kind of performance. It's ridiculous. So I'm the only one that will talk about that. I'm the only one that will stop Soji from entering our schools and poisoning your children's mind. And I'm the only one that will prevent government funding from being used in such ridiculous ways and trying to sexualize our children. And at the same time, they are uh, announcing legislation that hasn't passed yet. But if you went to protest a drag queen performance at an elementary school, they're saying if you got within 100 yards, I believe that was the distance, not only can you be arrested, but they'll give you a $25,000 fine. This yep. is the proposal that is on the table right now. Well, it's on the table in Ontario, and they already passed a similar bill in Calgary, and they've already used it in Calgary to arrest uh, Pastor Derek Reimer multiple times. And they pretend it's a hate crime against the trans community. So what are they going to do when transgender people themselves 
come to protest transgender people, drag queens performing for children? Are they going to call these transgender people that actually have morals? Uh, are they going to call them what? Are they going to call them transphobes because they don't want they don't want to allow children to be exposed to this? There's plenty of trans people out there that number one are opposed to the idea of, of uh, exposing children to this, and number two are being invalidated by this entire trans movement. You could talk to a trans man, and he'll tell you, "I'm a gay man. I like dressing in in dresses, and I like makeup, and I'm attracted to men." That doesn't mean I'm born in the wrong body. That doesn't mean I'm really a female. No, I'm a man who likes men. That's what they're saying. They're saying I'm a man who likes men, who likes to wear female style clothes and makeup. Meanwhile, this whole trans agenda at the children is telling children that if they feel that way, there really might be a woman born in the wrong body, la, 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 la. So they're completely invalidating the existence of real transgender people. And they're trying to and they're trying to intertwine transgenderism with children. With and I with it. Yeah, it, the most most people in that community oppose this. Yes, one hundred percent. The LGBT community supports me quite a bit. The only part of the LGBT community that doesn't support me are the ones that are trying to sexualize children, and that's a very small minority. And they should be, and they should be, and they should be uh, put a spotlight on. And not just the LGBT people that support this. Then the so-called cisgender, if you want to use that stupid word, people yeah. who also support sexualizing children should definitely be put a spotlight on. In fact, people that support this kind of stuff should be charged because you're exposing children to sex. And you that used to be a crime. Now they're trying to make it a crime if you're speaking out against this. And I disagree with that. It's not a major part of the platform, but it is something that people have to understand. Absolutely. They do need to understand it. Can you see how this is important? And when... Everyone in North America, in the UK, in Australia, sees what Chris Sky is actually capable of doing here. All your people will start to rise. I'm telling you, it has to start from the ground up. Now, this is a this has been a long time coming. Three years coming, it's been a ground up, but there's just God has opened up a door right now for Chris Sky. I truly believe it because there's no one else in this position. Well, I want to make something extremely clear. I agree with everything you just said, and it's very flattering. But the reality is, I could never do what I'm doing alone. You keep saying I'm alone. I'm not alone. I have so many people supporting me. I have literally the best team I could have imagined. It's like God sent me each individual person I needed to make this work. So I understand that, and that is why I'm so confident. That is why I am so fearless moving through the swamp with this target all over me, because I truly believe that we are doing God's work, and I'm not doing it alone. Every single person that believes what we believe is helping me, and I could never do it alone, and I don't want people to feel like I believe that I'm doing it alone, because I'm not. No, and I and I didn't want to imply that it, it, it's it's you it alone. Are flattering. I love what you were saying, but crowds and everything that you can draw. Um, I agree. With where you're coming from. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate it. I just I couldn't take that much credit. I couldn't. Well, it, listen. It, no. Well, we both believe in God. In fact, we met in church last Sunday, 
and uh, and there was a blessing put over you, and uh, I thank that church for putting that on for you as well, Chris. And uh, my audience is a prayerful audience, so you're going to have a lot of prayers. In fact, uh, prayer team, Wednesdays and Saturdays, Chris Guy's name on there permanently till this is <laughs> through, okay? Thank um, you. I appreciate that, and I definitely need it. Yeah, yeah, you definitely do, because they're coming at you, just like the charges uh, the other day with the careless driving and all that. That's only so they could have a talking point in the media. You know that that was politically motivated. And to try to turn me against the police and to try to make me say things that they can then use against me. But the reality is, if cops, those particular police officers were violating my rights and violating the law, they're an example of the bad apples. They're not an example of the majority, and they're not, they don't represent what I believe the Toronto Police Force represents. They just represent the, the waste and corruption that I was pointing out that exists and validating what I said exists, and they, and they are the prime example of what needs to be removed from the force. And every time they do this, they make the movement stronger. They're going to learn this harsh reality, you know, just like Donald Trump, you know, every time they throw something, he gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And I have no voice. This is, this is what's going on. The Canadian Trump, Chris Sky. By the way, did I say your last name properly? It's, you were pretty damn close. Most people butcher it. It's Sacocha. It means pocket in Italian. So I break it down into three syllables for people. Sacocha. And then when they say it like that, it makes it so much easier. But when you look at it, yeah, it's pretty hard to say. Why do you yeah. think I go by Chris Sky? <laughs> well, I thought by throwing on the Italian flavor, Sacoccia, <laughs> I could maybe fudge through it, right? <laughs> Chris, always a pleasure to have you on. Um, I hope that you'll come back many times throughout this campaign. And then even more importantly, after your mayor, and uh, I'm going to be whispering a whole bunch of my plots into your ear over this time because i've been an observer of toronto i live just outside of toronto i live just the other side of the rouge river so well, unfortunately i, I cannot I'll, I'll make you a deal that i come i promise to come back on the show once you come over to scarborough and visit us here well i'll, I'll be there this week <laughs> maybe even today why Love not you. all right god bless you chris and god bless each and every one of you thank you for being here on right on radio uh, please share this. Share it with your friends. Say everyone needs to find out what is going on. What is the blueprint? We need all of you to get behind Chris, even prayerfully spreading it out. Talk to other podcasters. Say you got to get Chris Sky on here. The guy is well versed in almost every topic here, and he is an entertaining guest. Obviously, get him on all these other podcasts. Spread the word. Let's do this. Final word to you, Chris. Guys, this is the best opportunity we've had in the last three years to accomplish what we've all been wishing we could accomplish in the last three years. It's coming to this. When I win this election, it is going to change the world. And that is why I need the world's support. Because I can't do this alone. I can't do this without you. But I know you're with me. I know God is with me. And I know we're going to do it. So I have no, I, I don't even have any doubts. It's hard for me to, to not sound overconfident. But at the same time, I don't care if I sound overconfident because I am that confident. And I love you all. God bless Canada. God bless America. We need to come together and we will overcome this. Chris, I very rarely give out this ending 
for anyone, but today this is for you, my friend. We'll see you next time. Remember, love your God, love your family, love your neighbor as yourself, and make a difference in your community by getting behind Chris Sky. Who's right? Who's right? He's right. Right on radio. Right on radio.